0: It's sort of like, you know, if you were to say, hey, listen, we're having this costume party, but we're not going to tell you what the costumes are. You just have to show up with it. You know, when we put those boundaries in place, we'd let people know what we expect. And then everyone knows how to step up and act appropriately. That, that email may just repel the people that shouldn't be there and keep the conflict down.
1: Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening
0: to Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams, coming to you from Southern California. I write a blog named May It Please the Court, have two books out titled How to Get Sued, and The Sled. Well... Has the topic of vaccines become the new no-talk-of-politics, sex, or religion at the Thanksgiving dinner table? As we approach that holiday, the topic of who is or who's not vaccinated is sure to come up ahead of this big day. According to the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, currently 58.5% of the United States is fully vaccinated against COVID-19. So how do you avoid a squabble of epic proportions among family members during the holiday season? Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to be discussing hosting Thanksgiving and how to peacefully broach the controversial subject of vaccines with your family members. We'll take a look at the reality of COVID during the holidays, public health, conflict resolution, negotiation, and the best approach to ensure safety during the holiday season. And to do that, we have psychologist and therapist, Dr. Roseanne Cappana-Hodge. Dr. Roseanne is an integrative and pediatric mental health expert and founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. She was recently featured in an article on CNN.com entitled, Should You Go to Thanksgiving Dinner with Your Unvaccinated Uncle? Experts Help Make That Decision. And for that, welcome to the show, Dr. Roseanne.
0: Well, thanks for having me. You know, with everyone is so excited about the holidays. And this is a really hot topic right now that we need to talk about.
1: And it's out there. I mean, we, you know, we, we know the standard rules. You shouldn't be talking about politics at, at the Thanksgiving table, but now are we going to be adding in this whole new thing about COVID?
0: You know, I think that, you know, there's going to have to be an ever growing list of taboo topics. And I think that the conversation about vaccination status and masks wearing is really very triggering for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And I do think we should leave it at the door.
1: Well, you know, for example, in my situation, I, I'm i nearly 65. I have uh, I've got both of my initial shots and a booster. I'm concerned because I fall in with a number of high risk categories, which are you know, not fun. But there I am. So. I'm curious because I want to know. I mean, if I'm going to go to Thanksgiving dinner, I want to know the status of the people that are with me. Is that fair?
0: Yeah. And I think what this really, it's really flipping the conversation, Craig. So instead of waiting before you go to event to find out, you know, is this uh, event, whether you're whatever side you're on, whether you believe in vaccines or not is this group aligned with your belief system in a way that you're going to feel comfortable? You need to ask before you go. And that is really important because even though we sometimes feel like, what do you mean? I I can't ask when I'm there. Well, you know, just like I talked about on CNN, if you're going to Uncle George's house and all along he's somebody that has very different viewpoints than you and you go there expecting something different, what's going to happen? Conflict. (laughs) And so you need to find out whatever your belief system is when you're going to an event before. And there's some really good questions that you can ask.
1: Right. Like, are you going to wear a mask? Are you vaccinated? Right. How many shots have you had? And and you covered one of the things I read on the article that you talked about was you can lovingly leave if there's a situation that arises that you're not comfortable with.
0: Absolutely, And, you know, I think part of the dilemma of this holiday season is we didn't have one last year, Craig, and everybody wants to get together. And so they sort of want to suspend this belief that, oh, I'm going to this place where I'm really unsure or this is somebody in the past that hasn't shown themselves, you know, maybe to honor your request about simple things like don't give my kids sugar or, you know, you're going to Aunt Betty's and, you know, she has all this food that you have kids that are allergic to or you're allergic to, whatever it is, but you have to have that level of trust. And I think that asking questions, just like you said, are really important, but also asking, you know, is there going to be a lot of talk about the vaccination at your event? And then also to how are they going to handle conflict at the whatever family function or friend function you're going to think these are really important things. And even as much as we want to go to this vet and connect with people, you can lovingly bow out of things. Like you don't have to make this a friction laden thing. You can say, you know, okay, uncle George, you know, you don't believe in vaccines. I do. I'm not comfortable. I absolutely adore you. How about if we get together next week at the park whatever place that you feel comfortable with, or maybe not. But boundary setting is a really, really important thing that we need to do all the time, and most people aren't good at it. But it is the way to really avoid conflict with people by being clear in your communication.
1: Right, and you, you can always get up and leave, but how do you handle the situation when you have guests that come to your house and that they're not complying with your wishes and they're not willing to?
0: Yeah, such an important question because, you know, again, people are going to override their common sense because of this desire for connection. We're really missing connection. So, you know, if you have guests that are either maybe acting inappropriately with their commentary or maybe you've asked everyone to wear a mask and they're not – or whatever it is, just like anything at your event if somebody was drinking too much, how are you going to handle it? The best way to handle it is to pull them aside and I like to really talk to people, you know, you're going to be respectful, you're going to be clear. And whenever you can, try to use humor and positive body language, right? So you're not going to come at that come at them with arms crossed. You know, you're going to kind of move your body to the side. That's actually the most, uh, the least threatening way you can approach somebody is, is sort of angling your body, either the right or the left, and that it is perceived as less threatened to somebody. And then just being like, hey, you know, Mary, we're asking everybody to have masks on. We're really clear about it. Is it okay for you to put your mask on? Because if it's not, then it's probably time to go. And that's okay. You were really clear in your boundaries in advance and they're not honoring it. You've got to, you know, step up and and talk to somebody about it because it's going to create a larger conflict in the group.
1: And in this day and age, it's relatively easy to write an email to all of the people that are going to be attending going, here they are, one, two, three, four, five.
0: Absolutely. I mean, my goodness, email is so great for letting everybody know what what is clear. And, you know, you can always put a thing in your email that's like, listen, if you have a question or a concern you know, just reach out. You know, I think the thing that I, you know, Craig, I don't know if you've gone to in-person events yet in terms of like work. And, and I'm actually at a work event right now. And, you know, I'm one of those people, of course, being a psychologist that people lean on and ask questions. And I know that as I've gone back to these events, people have said to me, Roseanne, should I go? Should I not go? And I'm like, when in doubt, Sit it out. Don't go. You know, if you're that uncomfortable going to an event, and this isn't a level of uncomfortableness where you can't go anywhere because you're so frightened, because in that case, I'm worried about you and you should talk to a mental health professional. But we're talking about, you know, events in general where you're unsure what kind of protocol is in place. And so having things laid out, even for, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner or after hours cocktail party, is always really helpful for everybody.
1: Well, everybody always wants to know ahead of time, what's the dress code? So it's just just one more thing to add to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of like, you know, if you were to say, hey, listen, we're having this costume party, but we're not going to tell you what the costumes are. You just have to show up with it. You know, when we put those boundaries in place, we'd let people know what we expect. And then everyone knows how to step up and act appropriately. That, That email may just repel the people that shouldn't be there and keep the conflict down.
1: So why is it always the proverbial uncle or in this day and age, the proverbial aunt as well? I mean, you have, it seems like there's a lot of times when the person that's one of the outliers in your family really is that, that uh, kind of, crazy oddball uncle that you have. Where do they come from?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's so funny. People do have really strong opinions one way or another in terms of, you know, vaccination status. And that's okay. I think the thing that's always so worrisome in all this, Craig, is that, you know, we are really breaking down in general as a society and people feel like it's okay to be disrespectful. And this is just one, another one of those topics that's really causing friction amongst friends, you know, amongst, you know, family members. And, you know, we, I make a joke that it's an, you know, an uncle or an aunt, but it could be anybody. It, it, I've seen best friends come to, you know, have words over this and really disagree. And, you know, Again, it's just a matter of being respectful on both ends and really not getting into these heated, you know, discussions. Everyone wants to talk about, you know, the research or this. And, and that's where I say, Craig, we leave that conversation at the door, right? So if you, you haven't had that conversation beforehand, shame on you as a host and shame as you as a guest because you can't just go to a place and expect things nowadays. You have to be an adult and you have to ask in advance.
1: And, you know, part of being an adult is part of relating to other people in society. And one of the things you said in the beginning of your comment was part of this breakdown of society that we've seen. You know, this is a big, broader picture that we're talking about as part of the, what happens at the Thanksgiving table. But what's going on with society?
0: Yeah, Well, there's so many things we could do a whole topic on that, Craig. But I think ultimately, we are a very stressed culture in America, and people are overworking, they're not taking care of themselves, they don't know what it is to, you know, calm their brain so that they can be more regulated and present, connected, and so they're. Agitated, And then we walked into this pandemic and, you know, we clearly have seen the effects of social isolation on people and, you know, just having such a disruption in, you know, work life, family life, educational life. And it's really taken its toll. And we have such high rates of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation among all ages, but our youth in particular. And it's, it's a culmination of a lot of things. And at the same time, as we become isolated, we become disconnected. We, we like to disconnect. We like to binge watch Netflix when we're upset instead of really dealing with, you know, behind the issues. And so these kind of volatile topics are really a place where sort of people put their irritation and they don't even know why. Like why are you so angry at somebody and wanting to punch somebody at Disney World, the happiest place on earth, supposedly, because somebody's not wearing a mask? Like, the, it can turn very quickly. I think that's the thing that is very disturbing. But there's a lot of pieces behind it. And I think if anybody's listening, and they're feeling like they're easily irritated and angry, you've got to look within yourself. And you have to work on that because we can't change anybody else. We can only work from within. And we are not wanting to do that work, um, which is why so many people are on psych meds. I mean, we in the pandemic alone, we had a 16 percent increase in adults on psych meds.
1: Is that because we were all just sitting around watching television and having to face our what just the kind of the big life questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? What am I doing? And, and all of that reflective time and people just aren't, weren't ready for it. What, I mean, is that what happened to us in the pandemic? I
0: think some people, that's the case. I think some people were very sedentary. I mean, just a real increase in weight gain. I mean, you know, a loss of routine and structure, you know, many people thrive, particularly children thrive on routine and structure. And, you know, um, for some working from home was great, but, For many, particularly women, you know, women took on all the house, you know, a lot of house things, a lot of the education. This is according to research. It's not just me spewing this out. And then they were working full time. It it was one of the most stressful time. Over one million women left the workforce in the beginning of the pandemic. So we have so many cultural shifts that have happened during this time. But, you know, we've become a society where we don't want to feel anything uncomfortable, right? So you feel grief, let me take a pill for it, right? There is no pill for grief. The pill for grief is working through those awful emotions. And so we've we've become a culture of quick fix instead of really addressing those root causes and and sitting and learning how to tolerate that, right? And that's certainly shifting down to our children. Our children have very little stress tolerance and are much more easily dysregulated by everyday kind of things because they just don't have tools.
1: And Boundaries. I mean, we've been talking about setting boundaries in this whole thing, and that's what the law is all about: yeah. is setting boundaries. Yes. And here you have situations where what? Where do people feel justified in punching out a stewardess or throwing hot soup into the manager's face at the fast food restaurant? Why do people feel so justified in physically taking their anger out on
0: people? Yeah. And others? Well, and you know, so what happens is, you know, I always say nerdy brainy things with Dr. Rao. You know, from a total neuroscience perspective, like what is happening to people. So we are experiencing, we, we all have a stress system. It's called the autonomic nervous system. And when it's relaxed, it's in a, what's called a parasympathetic state. And when it's stressed, it's in a sympathetic dominant state. And so an everyday stressor, right? Somebody, somebody doesn't have their mask on and all of a sudden you bubble, right? So if you have a healthy nervous system where you're, you know how to get yourself back down through breath work or, you know, a variety of ways, right? But it knows what that regulated state is. So you get irritated, your brain says, okay, come on, Uh, you know, this isn't important, let it go, right? But if you're already agitated... What happens from a nervous system perspective is you don't have much bandwidth and you go what I like to call as into the red. You get very irritated. And once you're in a fight, flight, or freeze mode, um, which most people may have heard of but don't really understand, it means that your your nervous system literally reached maximum capacity. And from a physiological perspective, you literally have almost lost the ability for rational thought. So people make these, these very impulsive anger fueled decisions and we're seeing them from people we wouldn't expect right people without a history of violence right even even violent talk you know because um, it's easy to morph from violent talk to violent actions when we're very activated and it's because everyone has had a hard time in the pandemic. Most people have struggled. some people have thrived, but they are definitely the minority, right? And so that's why we're seeing these increases in volatility because people's nervous systems are very dysregulated and easily set off and their people are not making a connection to the daily stress they physically feel like stomach aches or increased heart rate or difficulty sleeping all those things that are telling us hey listen your brain is out of whack they're not making that connection and then they're easily set off and and we're seeing this i mean i've never seen more people as a psychologist i've never seen more people irritated in such a as i like to call a viperish way where people are literally, you know, just sort of like a little bit of kindling creates a massive fire.
1: It almost seems as if we need a national sigh of relief.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm always, you know, my my slogan is calm brain, happy family because when we calm the nervous system down and there's lots of ways to do it that are, you know, safe and natural and free That is our sigh of relief, right? Like, what do we need to do to support the mental health of our nation is should be on the forefront of what we're doing because we're always band-aiding things. We're we're being very reactive. We're not being proactive. And we know very clearly through research that we are hurting.
1: Is it? That we have too much information and we're constantly, you know, as people call it on the internet, doom scrolling and seeing all the negative and then we just, and it gets overwhelming as well as all of our personal situations.
0: I think for some people, Craig, I think that's very real. I think, you know, the information, there's actually great information out there, right? It's that, are you disconnecting from media? Are you allowing your brain a break is one part. Are you over-focusing on negative? Are, are you are you getting onto sites with people are hate talking? And, you know, I mean, there's things out in the world that I cannot believe these organizations exist that spew hatred towards groups of people, right? This is shocking to me that this goes on in, in this country at this time in the world. But the basis of it is hate. And there's people, you know, you can't love other people if you don't love yourself, right? And there's a lot of wounded people walking around in the world. They just don't look wounded on the outside,
1: and how far back does this go into our psyche? Is this something that's innate in us? I mean, I think of the examples of the caveman and, you know, the tribalism that occurred where you keep the women and the food on your side and away from the the invaders on the other side. And, and do we still have that kind of mentality, us and them?
0: You know, Craig, these are very much primitive reflexes left over. And, you know, uh, I speak a lot about racism and, and our brain is is tuned in to look for something different, something negative, because as cavemen, we had to be on alert for being harmed, right? And so when something is different, a lot of times we put a negative connotation on it, right? And so um, we we it's easier for our brain to say, oh, there's hate speech, you know, let me, I can resonate with that versus you have to train yourself to be positive. And especially when we have, you know, things like intergenerational trauma, we, we don't even know the trauma effect of what's going to happen on all of these kids and families who really struggle, seem to struggle the most, right? Parents and kids really struggled. And of course, adults who lost their jobs, right? And had, you know, difficulty getting food on the table. We don't know the impact, but what we know is, is that trauma does does come with us, right? And you have to work against that tide. You can do it. I work with people every day who do it, but you have to have a conscious awareness and a willingness to take those micro steps because it's the micro steps that really create change.
1: You know, many people in the situation where they are now, and what I'm hearing you saying in a way is also that people feel powerless. They don't have the ability to make these changes. These things that are coming from the outside and all the things that are invading are just so different.
0: Very much. And, you know, when we talk about things like clinical conditions like anxiety or depression or any of them, you know, often at the root of them is a sense of loss of control. And we are not teaching people that can control starts from within, right? We are always in control of our mindset, even when our thoughts feel completely runaway, right? You know, and we can learn through conscious effort to, you know, think differently about others, think differently about ourselves. I mean, I think one of the, the most striking things that I see from all ages, from young children to, to people that are elderly, is that often people are really rough on themselves. And, and there's a lot of negative self-talk. And that negative self-talk, it's easy to flip to negative outward talk. Um, And I think, you know, when I when I think back to even just this topic, you know, why is this so volatile for people? Well, people are bubbling in the inside. And that's why, you know, like you say, the law is boundaries, too. And when we provide a safe container for people, there's just much less likely to have that friction of those expectations. Um, And people are more able to regulate when they know what those boundaries are.
1: Well, and even plays into the social niceties that go along with Thanksgiving and all the politeness, which, as you've pointed out, seems to be headed out the window.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think we're in a place where people seem so on edge and so stressed. You know, I'm a very fun loving, playful person. And I bring that into all my work. And I and, you know, I work with people who are struggling with mental health. And, and I think that when you're having conflict, right, like, you know, your cousin wants to get into, you know, know the vaccination status of your children, and whatnot, and and isn't being polite when you, you know, deflect the conversation, which you should, do and, and you know, use humor about it. Like, oh, George, remember when we went fishing? You know, you want to deflect, go back to things that you share commonalities, really important. Um, but niceties, I think people are so, again, struggling within their own that, and then we're re-entering the world. Like it's really, I talked about re-entry panic syndrome in the beginning of the pandemic. Now I'm talking about re-entry socialization. I mean, people need to be re-socialized. They're, they're used to just sort of doing their own thing, being on Zoom on their own. And now we're getting together, you know, always lead with manners, right? I mean, you can never go wrong when you do the right thing.
1: It's almost like we have to learn to behave all over again.
0: Absolutely, for sure. Like, it feels weird to, you know, like, oh, look, I'm going to be in a function and I have to, you know, have small talk and um, I have to have multiple conversations. And, you know, it may feel overwhelming to people. And, and that's important to even acknowledge that for yourself.
1: And right, and you know there are social dynamics in a gathering. People are going to have feelings, get hurt, perhaps expressed inappropriately, perhaps expressed appropriately. But how is a host? Let's assume that we have you know the fight breaks out at the Thanksgiving table where the uncle and the the uh, hippie son disagree with one another. How, yeah. How does the host deal with that?
0: Yeah. Well, as somebody who has to deal with you know conflicts within families all the time, I think the first thing is to say you know, hey. Okay, you know, George and Mark, we've already said this is off limits. And then bring some kind of humor in, right? These are people you know. So, you know, bring in a funny little antidote or something that it literally changes the conversation, right? Don't expect to continue the conversation with rules and it won't. Get heated. I think you need to just stop it and say, this is off the table. I was really explicit about it and then shift it into something else. And, you know, if and, and think about, too, even your gatherings, like what do you bring into these gatherings? Where are you bringing some joy and some lightness? Right. That can maybe even stop these conversations from happening. Like, are you going to have Twister? you know, where that everyone's going to be hysterical, you know, are you going to have some kind of gains? Like, what can you do to sort of lighten things up? Because I mean, as I'm going to a lot of different kinds of events and vaccine talk is prevalent. And some people are quite, you know, treating it like the Spanish Inquisition. And you need to make sure if you're the host You know, you have a lot of power as a host. Um, I'm I'm often a host. I host every holiday but one, and I lay out the ground rules for just about everything. You know, from what people bring, and people are really appreciative.
1: Now, let's talk about what you bring. In addition to bringing some joy to the table, should you be bringing any alcohol?
0: Well, you know, that is really what each person decides. I I feel like when you are, let's say you sort of are unsure what the dynamic of your family is, you know, alcohol lowers inhibition, right? And if you are like, well, I got to serve something, you know, think about lightening it up, making it a, a punch or, or sangria. But it's also okay to have alcohol-free events. Like you don't have to drink at an event to have a good time.
1: Well, as we get close to wrapping this thing up, let's talk about vaccines and children. Now the uh, United States government has approved, apparently, children 5 to 11 to get vaccines. How's that going to play in the dynamic of what we've been talking about?
0: Well, I think that as parents are getting together, you know, first of all, you need to have a conversation with your kid about it, and you need to whatever your family plan is, you need to let your kid be in on that and understand it. And I think that um, it's okay if you're unsure or you're what you're going to do. You need to tell your kid if somebody asks you, you're going to say, "I don't know." Or even if you have been vaccinated, it's really private conversation. But you need to give your kids the tools and the resources, and I. Think I think that I can see a lot of dividing happening between families for people that are choosing not to vaccinate their kids, especially when kids have antibodies and don't need the vaccine yet. Um, If they're testing for antibodies, and this is what, what the research is showing us, you need to probably not have conversations with your friends about it. Because again, this is showing up at a very extreme, but don't leave your kids out of the loop. Give them the verbiage of how to handle these conversations.
1: Well, there's been a wide-ranging conversation here, with Dr. Roseanne, but it looks like we just about reached the end of our program, so I'd like to take this opportunity to let you share your final thoughts as well as your contact information so our listeners can reach out to you if they'd like.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just want to say whenever you have to have any difficult conversation with anybody, boundaries, lots of love and care, and just come across soft you literally can never go wrong doing that. And it preserves loving relationships with people, with people that you care about. And you're going to feel better about it. They're going to feel better about it. You can, you can catch me pretty much on every social media outlet is Dr. Roseanne. And that's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N. And then my website is drroseanne.com.
1: Well, great. Thank you very much. As we wrap up, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge, for being our guest today. It's a pleasure having you on the show.
0: Well, thanks for this important conversation. I know we'll help families navigate whatever lies ahead during the holiday season.
1: Well, I think Dr. Roseanne is right. You know, there's a lot to be said for front loading and being prepared, especially with children for the upcoming holiday. You've always got the crazy uncle out there. Seems to be almost at every dinner table, and politics has always been a taboo subject. So this is just one more thing to put on the list. We didn't talk about very many laws this time. There's a crazy one out there. I think it's in the city of Rosemead, where you you must serve ice cream with a spoon. You cannot serve it with a fork. So this Thanksgiving, if you're in Rosemead, be careful. There are laws that may affect you. And in Redwood City up north in California, don't fry your gravy after Thanksgiving. You're breaking the law. It's a crazy life, but enjoy your Thanksgiving. So thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. You can also visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network.